Welcome to Studio Berlin, our weekly current affairs show here on KCRW Berlin. I'm your host, Sumi Somaskanda, and I'm talking to you from my home studio. Just a reminder again that we're recording under different circumstances, so my voice, our interviews will sound different. Each week on Studio Berlin, we're taking a closer look at the events and issues moving us here in Germany's capital and in Europe. We must not for one second think we are now safe. That was Chancellor Angela Merkel speaking on Monday about the gradual loosening of some of the coronavirus restrictions in Germany. The decision to slowly open the economy and society is based on what experts in health and science have advised her government. Now, a few aspects of what was announced. Schools will gradually start to reopen for older students as long as there is a hygiene plan in place. Businesses smaller than 800 square meters can reopen already this week if they respect the physical distancing rules. So is this Germany's way out of the crisis and is it the right one? Let's talk about that with Eric Kirschbaum. He's a fellow host of Studio Berlin and a longtime journalist here covering Germany for international media. Eric, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. So what will things actually look like after May 4th? I mean, are we going to see Germany really uh, slowly starting to, to ramp up again? I think slowly is the right word. Ramping up, I'm not sure that's the right word. It's, there's going to be more business activity. There's going to be more people getting infected. But the German government seems to hope that people have taken these lessons to heart. They will use social distancing. There's also a strong recommendation that people wear masks, face masks. This is an unusual thing for Germany. A few months ago, you couldn't have imagined everybody in Germany wearing a face mask. But now this sort of Asian style way of protecting the public is, is really getting popular in Germany. And that's going to be another element of all of this. So yeah, life, the economy is going to be coming back to life in Germany. It's not going to be the way it was before, but it's sort of a um, they're trying to thread the needle. They're trying to find the right way to restart the economy, to let people out of their houses, back at work, back at school, without triggering a big increase in the number of infections that's going to lead to the hospitals being overwhelmed. That's their big fear. They don't want the hospitals to be overwhelmed. Yeah, it is a delicate balance, Eric. And how do people feel about this? How do Germans feel about the measures in place? Do they support what the government's doing? Well, so far, the opinion polls show and the anecdotal evidence I've seen have shown that most Germans are in favor of the popularity of the government is going through the roof. Merkel was seen as a lame duck chancellor a few weeks ago, and now her popularity is higher than it's been in years. Um, the Germans seem to totally support this, totally be behind her. There are some complaints. There are some people challenging these restrictions in court. Germany has a sensitive history with the Nazis and the Stasi, and they don't like being restricted. They don't like personal freedoms being taken away. So there have been some court challenges. Most have been unsuccessful. So most people seem to be supporting this. But that's the big question. And I think the government asks itself every day, if the numbers keep getting better and better, can we keep locking people up? And I think Merkel and the government realizes, no, they need to let some of the pressure out of the valve. And that's what they're doing right now. It's a test. It's a trial balloon. If the small shops opening works out well, if the car dealers being open works out well, that the numbers don't really jump up again soon, it'll have been the right decision. And then in a week or two, they'll, they'll open up more things. They'll open up larger shops. And they don't want to restart things too soon because everybody's afraid of the second wave. A second wave can be even more deadly than the first one. So that's something that they definitely want to avoid. Eric, what about this point that is continuously discussed here in Germany, namely that Germany has a federal system, so uh, health decisions are actually made and implemented on the state level. How unified are leaders across a federal and state level on the approach that they're taking? 
last week, it was a lot clearer that they were on the same same page. Um, two or three weeks earlier, when they first announced the lockdowns, the states were not on the same page. There were states like Bavaria that were very aggressive and got ahead of everybody else by closing the schools. And there were other states like North Rhine-Westphalia, which did not want to go as quickly. And there was a lot of tension and it was a, a the country was a patchwork. And that's something that Merkel and her federal government really wanted to avoid this time. They really twisted some arms behind the scenes, it seems. They spent a lot of time preparing the ground for the meeting last week where they came up with a generally a consensus on how all 16 states would operate. There's a little bit of a leeway. NRW is going to be opening schools a little bit sooner than Bavaria, but they talk about a corridor. At least they're all roughly going in the same direction this time. And the rules are understandable. If you live in Berlin, you know it doesn't make any sense to drive to Brandenburg because the same shops will be closed. And two or three weeks ago, that wasn't the case. Every state had a little bit different rule. So federalism in Germany is working this time. And it's a big contrast to the U.S., where the states are so much different in who's, which states are open and which states are closed. So it's, it's never easy when you have 16 different states and 16 different governors. But Merkel, with her style of governing, was somehow able to get everybody singing from the same page. All right, Eric, thank you. As always, great to talk to you. Good to be here. Eric Kirschbaum is a fellow host of Studio Berlin and longtime journalist here covering Germany for international media. That's the politics of it. Let's talk about the science of COVID-19 and Germany's response. We spoke to Ulrike Protze. She's a virologist and professor at the Technical University of Munich. She's also part of an expert council currently examining the COVID-19 pandemic in the state of Bavaria. Ulrike, thank you for joining us. Welcome. What are your thoughts on the German government's uh, approach here to extend some of the measures that are in place, but also gradually relax some of the restrictions on the economy, on society? I think it's a wise decision. So what we are seeing in the, in the last few days is that the number of infections drop. The, the overall number of infections, they are still increasing, obviously, but the numbers of new infections, they drop. So apparently we have the crisis somewhat under control. And the factor which tells you how much persons are infected from one patient who is infected with the SARS coronavirus dropped below one, which is a good sign because that means basically that there is no growth in the infection anymore, but it's a stable situation. And that is why our government decided to start loosening the rather strict measures we have during the past four weeks. Okay, so we're seeing positive developments. Can that really be directly attributed to those measures? Can you really show that these measures that have been in place, as you said, that are quite strict, have directly led to this fall in this rate of infection? You cannot 100% prove that because to prove it, you would have to undo everything and do the same thing without any measures, but that's obviously not possible. Uh, but there is a very strict correlation between the drop of the number of new infections, the R factor, which tells you this, this number of how many new persons are infected from one infected person. Um, that's all very, very closely correlated to the measures we took. And I mean, it's also shown in other countries, be it the US or be it Italy, that the social distancing really helps. 
We heard the German chancellor speaking on Monday about what she called a very fragile situation. Uh, she has said time and again that Germany really is on thin ice. It has seen success, but that success can so easily be undone. So how thin is the ice? Yeah, I mean, the point is that social distancing is the only weapon we have so far against this virus. We don't have any medications, any drugs. We don't have a vaccine. And it's also not in foreseeable future that we will have that in our hands. And that's why, why she says the situation is fragile. In Germany, we had a lot of starting points of the infection. It's not that there was one big event where everything came from, but it's, it's hundreds and maybe thousands of people who brought it into the country from Austria, from Italy, from China, very diverse um, ways of bringing that into the country. And that's very hard to control. Ulrika, we mentioned that you are part of an expert council currently examining the pandemic in the state of Bavaria. And we should say that Bavaria is actually the hardest hit state in Germany. Why is that? Because we have so many skiers. And basically what, what came into Bavaria is during um, holidays, the school holidays, we had around the, the carnival festival, a lot of people went skiing to Austria and to Italy, to Northern Italy, and that's where the infections come from. And they brought it back with them to Germany and in particular to Bavaria. That's why we were hit probably hardest. Rika, I want to ask you about the health system in general. On the one hand, we're seeing that Germany has a lot of empty hospital beds, a lot of ICU capacity, but that also uh, medical workers are lacking some vital supplies like masks. So how do you see the situation in terms of how the healthcare system is able to cope? I think everybody in Germany prepared to have many cases, but as we already discussed, most cases were in the southern parts of Germany and in the area around Dusseldorf and Cologne, so North Rhine-Westphalia. And the other um, states of Germany were not hit that hard, but they also prepared themselves. And this is where you have free beds and also free ICU beds at the moment. Whereas here in Munich, our ICU beds were full and they still are full. So it's, it's locally um, different. And that's part of the answer. The other part of the answer is um, if we need personal protection equipment, we rely very much on other countries. And we rely on Italy, we rely on Spain, we rely on China to where we usually buy that from. And all these sources did sort of break down. Now China is up and running again. So the situation improved a lot because we could sort of find new ways to order uh, personal protection equipment. But obviously we could not order anything from Italy or Spain because they needed everything themselves. And so what our government also did is besides trying to find new sources, they tried to build up facilities to produce protection equipment themselves. So for example, masks are now produced in Bavaria and in North Rhine-Westphalia. So companies just changed their the way how they worked and they now produce uh, personal protection equipment. So we become more independent and we're already in the situation where we can give out something to our neighbors in Italy or in Spain and in France. Ulrika, I want to ask about your perspective as a virologist. Looking at how COVID-19 has developed or how the pandemic has developed over the last few months, what worries you most about this virus? That it's so unpredictable. Some people are merely ill at all. They are almost asymptomatic, but still can spread. And others are hit very severely. We have young people, 34 years, 45 years old, who are 
on our intensity care ward now for four weeks and they're really hardly recovering from their disease and it's so diverse and we really don't understand what makes that diversity. Is that genetic factors? One part is the age, that's no question. Another part is pre-existing diseases, that's no question. But even sometimes young people who have no obvious pre-existing disease, they fall ill very, very severely. The other thing is that also the, the ability of the immune system to control the virus seems to be very different from person to person. Some people control it within three days and they, if you test them, they never be, are positive again. And others who are apparently very healthy young people, they shed the virus for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, even up to 50 days. And that's, of course, also a situation which is hard to yeah, hard to say why that is. Why is the immune response so different? And the third point which worries me is that it's not really clear how well the immunity is which we develop against this virus. We know from the SARS virus which circulated 17 years ago that one could develop very robust immunity, but for the new virus it's not really clear. And that's obviously very, very important to, on the long run, be able to control that epidemics. With all of these uncertainties, many of us are waiting, hoping for a vaccine, of course. Uh, how far, how close are we, shall we say, to a vaccine? And have you seen any promising developments on that front here in Germany? Yeah, I think there is a lot of promising developments um, in Germany as well as internationally. We have RNA-based vaccines. Uh, we have vector-based vaccines. We have people who work on very classical, more protein-based vaccines. However, a vaccine development takes time. You have to go through very thorough and unfortunately also long-lasting clinical trials before you're sure that a vaccine is safe and efficacious. Although we see all these really interesting and very promising developments, it will still take a while until we have something. My guess would be the earliest is autumn next year. And Ulrika, how has this been for you as a virologist, someone who is extremely busy and it's an extremely demanding time, as we said, you're also part of the council advising uh, the Bavarian state government and a lot of members of the public looking to virologists for any sort of answers on going forward and what's going to happen with this pandemic. How has it been for you and the community of virologists in Germany? It's very demanding. It's stressful, obviously, and you get a lot of attention which I, I don't know whether it's deserved because I mean, we, we work on viruses already for years and it's now that viruses are in everybody's uh, mind and, and seem to be the most important thing of the world. But I think we should not forget that there is, there is a lot of other diseases besides COVID-19, which deserve our attention and which deserve research and which deserve our efforts. I'm aware that this is a very important part of our life right now, but we should not forget about all the other things um, which also are important to only maintain our health. And that's not only um, science, that's also social security, that is um, that people psychologically are happy and these types of things. So it's, it's a very complex situation. Thank you, Ulrike. You're very welcome. Professor Ulrike Protze is part of an expert council currently examining the COVID-19 pandemic in the state of Bavaria. 
We'll take a short break, and when we come back, we'll hear some voices for and against the restrictions that Germany's government and states have issued. You're listening to KCRW Berlin on 104.1 FM. This is Ira Glass of This American Life. Oh, my God. One thing I really like in a radio story... What's back there? Nothing. It looks empty. Oh, there's someone living back there. ...is a mystery. I'm not going back there. There's somebody's hair. There's a head in there. There's a shrunken head right there. Mysteries explained each week this American life. It's Santa Claus. Resident Evil. This American Life, Sundays at 5 p.m. on KCRW Berlin. PRI's The World brings you voices from around the globe. It's your daily source for international news and a gateway to cultures beyond our borders. I'm Marco Werman. Join me right here for the next edition of The World. Tune in to The World Tuesday through Saturday mornings at 8 on 104.1 KCRW Berlin. Welcome back to Studio Berlin on 104.1 FM. I'm your host, Sumi Somasganda, and this week we're talking about Germany's way out of the crisis. The government announcing a gradual loosening of restrictions, and the vast majority of Germans approve of the measures in place, but some don't. When the first of these measures were imposed, I wrote several emails to the secretaries of state for um, health, for inner affairs, and uh, to the governor mayor of Berlin. Well, I gave them three weeks to explain. They didn't, and so I went to court. That's all the possibilities I still have. That was Marcel Luther. He's a member of the Libertarian Free Democrats, the FDP, in the Berlin Parliament. Luther filed a legal dispute with the Berlin Constitutional Court against Berlin's mayor and health senator, claiming that they cannot curtail citizens' basic rights. I asked Luther to explain his lawsuit. You have to have um, a fundament, a legal fundament for everything a government does. And all I do is ask, where is this fundament for these measures? That's one perspective. Let's hear another. I caught up with Aiten Doan. She's a member of the Social Democrats, the SPD here in Berlin. She's an expert on migration and integration policies, and she's running an initiative to help people who are struggling through this pandemic. Aiten, we heard from Marcel Luther, and he feels that rights and civil liberties are the most important part of a democracy, that if a government wants to curtail those rights, it has to be a lot more transparent. It needs to ask people. Does he have a point? I mean, I think under normal uh, circumstances, I would say, yes, he's totally right. But it's a critical situation. And, and uh, for now, it's a crisis. We never went through like something like this. I don't know. For me, it's also very difficult to say, hey, um, that to be controlled from outside and to not make my own decisions. But still, it's going well. We have to take care of each other, like of myself and uh, the others. And for that, I think it's a good way they are going. Do you think the government is doing its best to protect people? Yes, for sure. I think this is what they're doing. I think it's hard measurements we have. The thing that we cannot go out and uh, only two persons a period of time. I think that's already a very hard approach. And we see it on the figures and the numbers that it, it helps. Well, you mentioned taking care of each other. You are really active in your community. You've started an initiative to help those who are struggling. Um, tell us about that initiative and what experiences you've had with it so far. I mean, our initiative is basically helping refugees because in my community, we have a lot of refugee shelters. So what we're trying to do is uh, to see what their needs are and help them. So and those are basically to find uh, um, activities for the kids, games, toys, 
are also finding a voluntary worker who help them with the homeschooling, giving them additional work, and also do shopping and groceries for uh, the elderly people or for the one uh, single mothers or parents who are not able to go out. This is basically what we are doing. So what have people told you? Are they having a really hard time getting through this? I mean, it depends who it is. Like the one uh, who are able to go out and do their own things, uh, that for them is fine. Where they are struggling is uh, schooling. And also where they are struggling is if they are living in a refugee shelter, because space is uh, very minimum there. And then to be get affected by somebody else or um, to not be with others is very difficult there because you don't have your you have only your own room it's still shared bathroom shared kitchen so this is what where the people are struggling now Aiten, you are a member of the social democrats as we said the spd uh, the party is also part of chancellor angela merkel's governing coalition they are debating the best way out of this crisis what do you think that way is how should it look it should be step by step I mean, we should be patient with the situation and then see what is the best. No uh, too fast decisions and uh, because we don't know how it goes. And always looking at the numbers, what is going on, what helps and what doesn't. And if we look at the Berlin state government, I mean, if we mentioned the Senator for Health, Dile Kalaji, I think she did so far a very good job. They... Um, prepared now our hospital for at worst case situations and also that step by step bringing kids back to school it's a good way of dealing with the situation Aiten, thanks for joining us thank you Aiten doan is a member of the social democrats the spd here in berlin she's an expert on migration and integration policies As we mentioned, schools will slowly reopen with students in the last years of primary and secondary school prioritized I caught up with Ryan Ploche, a secondary school teacher here in Berlin and a member of the GEW, that's the Teachers Union in Germany. Ryan, thanks for being with us. So we have heard that schools will reopen partially. Do you think that this is a good decision? Well, unfortunately, they're not reopening the schools because um, education is a priority, but because they've decided that examinations have to take place. Although it used to be that um, central examinations did not play such a big role in Germany, they've decided that it's absolutely necessary that these exams take place. So really, they're only reopening the schools to take examinations, which are technically not necessary. And it's going to put a lot of colleagues at risk. And the burden of organizing safe uh, examinations and safe examination preparation is entirely on the schools. So this decision is pretty fraught, I would say. So what does this mean for teachers who now have to prepare for these examinations? I mean, is the burden then squarely on them to make sure that proper hygiene measures are uh, observed? And what does that actually look like? Well, in practice, it means that we're going to spend a lot of time planning exactly how students are supposed to enter the building, which rooms we're going to use. We have to completely rethink how we proctor examinations. Everything that we've done before Uh, doesn't fulfill the necessary um, distancing requirements. So we have to use a lot more rooms, we have to have a lot more personnel, and we have to not only keep up the normal standards for examinations, for example, that only one person can use the toilet at a time, but also we have to uh, think of all of these totally new hygiene rules. The products for this kind of necessary hygiene, disinfectant, soap, 
disposable towels. They weren't available in schools before, and we're all wondering, how is the government going to make these available now? Now, especially since they're in short supply. And uh, we have not a whole lot of time to basically completely rethink how we do examinations. Most of this burden is on principals, but in a way, it usually gets delegated to regular teachers. So why do you think this decision was then taken? I mean, are these exams so important? It's because certain German states, here especially Bavaria, consider their schools to be much better than the schools of all the other states. And the only reason they allow students from other states to go to their universities is because everyone takes central written examinations to get the Abitur. And this idea that central written examinations are the only objective method and that teachers are all not objective and that our opinions are also not scientific just sort of trickles down to the exams at the end of year 10 and the recommendations at the end of the primary school period. So because certain states, especially Bavaria, have little faith in teachers' ability to make fair judgments, everybody has to take written examinations. So Ryan, what does this mean for you particularly when we go uh, see some classrooms reopen? Are you worried about your own personal safety? Well, I don't belong to the risk group, but of course I'm concerned about uh, the health and well-being of my colleagues who are over 60. We're in the middle of a generational change uh, among teachers, which means that there are a lot of young of us, but also there are plenty of teachers who belong to the risk group. Um, so some of them will have to keep doing a kind of digital teaching some of us will come back into a very unusual situations. We might be teaching in shifts. We might be teaching in small groups. None of this is clear uh, because what the government has done is just given us hygiene rules, but not really practical suggestions about how to uh, maintain these hygiene rules. You can't say something like only 15 students can be in a room when the usual class size is well over 20 or even 30. Ryan, as we talk about Germany's possible way out of this crisis, if we look ahead to the coming weeks and months, what do you think that the government, the federal and state governments should do? What would you like to see from them? First and foremost, we need to ensure uh, hygiene and security for schools. So we need to have clean schools and we need to have enough material to keep those schools clean. Those are two things that the state government has not been able to provide in the past keeping them clean in an ordinary way has not been possible in the past. And now we have to keep them at a much higher standard. So this is the first thing that needs to be fulfilled above all. Um, second, I would very much like the state government to think about what practical standards are for education at this point. I think most of us have come to the conclusion that we're just treading water. We're really just going through the motions of education being something that can happen at home. But if we look at it realistically, most of the students are going to come back to school and have um, not made any progress or even forgotten what, what we had achieved before. If we go about this realistically and accept the fact that uh, this corona holiday, in quotation marks, is lost time for us and that we're going to have to repeat material, I think we're going to be fine with that. If the government expects from us that somehow the corona time was regular uh, educational time and that everyone is at the same level they should be, then we're in, some, in for some nasty surprises in the future. Ryan, thanks so much for speaking with us. It was a pleasure to be here. Ryan Pocher is a secondary school teacher here in Berlin and a member of the GEW, that is the teachers union here in Germany.
That's it for this week's show. Thanks to all of my guests for joining us. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening to Studio Berlin, our current affairs show here on KCRW Berlin. Tune in next week at the same time for another episode of Studio Berlin on 104.1 FM.